0: No other name So precious Let's just praise The name No other name That's higher No other name That's stronger No other name Forever I will Praise the name No other name Can heal us No other name For the day, so precious, 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 praise the name. name. Praise the no other name No other name That's higher No other name That's stronger No other name Forever I will Praise the name No other name Can heal us No other name Can free us
1: No other
0: name So praise us, let's just raise the Jesus, 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 no sweeter name, no other name that's higher, no other name that's strong. name can free us no other name so precious let's just praise God no, no other no other name that's higher no other name Can free us no other name, so precious, precious pray. has changed our lives hallelujah we love you Lord, the king of glory the king above all three. hallelujah 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 who breaks the power of sin and darkness whose love is
1: mighty
0: so much stronger, the King of glory, the King above all kings, who shakes the whole earth with holy thunder, and leaves us breathless in our wonder, the King of glory, the King above all kings. This is amazing grace, this is unfailing love, that you would take my place, that you would bear my cross, you laid down your life, that I would be I sing for all that you've done for me. Hallelujah, who brings our chaos, who brings our chaos back into order, who makes the orphan a son and daughter, the King of glory, the King of glory the nations, with truth and justice, shines like the sun all of His brilliance, the King of glory, the King above all kings, this is amazing grace, this is unfailing love, With it, baby. Well done for me, this is amazing grace, this is unfailing love, that you would take. driving seas my comfort testify this morning. Yeah.
1: done great things marvelous things mighty things and we are so thankful and we are so grateful lord jesus we love you we thank you for how good you've been we thank you for all the marvelous things you have done we thank you for your faithfulness and we thank you for your grace we thank you that you've walked with us every step of the way you've been our shield and you've been our shade You've met every need. When we fall and you've been there to lift us up. When we go through the storms, you've been there to wrap your loving arms around us and escort us through. Lord Jesus, we love you. We thank you for your shed blood. We thank you for the victory on the cross. We thank you that we belong to you and you'll never let us go. Help us to live a life that honors you, that exalts you, that touches others for you, in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. You may be seated. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, good morning. So good to see everybody out this morning. Um, Children, you are dismissed to Children's Church. Amen. And if you have your Bibles, if you would go to Genesis chapter 6, we are in a series of sermons from Hebrews 11. And you know, today is one of the reasons we see why we often do um, series. We do series. It's very important that as the people of God that we be well balanced in what the Bible says. That we don't really just get too lopsided. Some people know a t- topic or two and that's all they want to talk about. that's all they know. But God desires us to be well-versed in the whole counsel of God. Can you say amen? Amen. So when we go through a series, it causes us to say, what is God saying here? And how am I supposed to live this out? And how do I apply that to my life? And that's one of the reasons we do series. And so here we are in Hebrews 11, and we've studied, first of all, we studied the character of Abel. And we talked about a worshiping faith. And then we went to Enoch, and we talked about a walking faith. He walked with God. And this morning, we're going to get to Noah. Most are familiar with Noah, but he had a working faith. And so to give us a little bit of a background before we get to Hebrews 11, if you would, Genesis 6, and let's just read a few verses to give you the background of Noah's day. Genesis 6, beginning with verse 5. The Bible says, The Lord saw how great man's wickedness on earth had become, and that every inclination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil all the time. And the Lord was grieved that he had made man on the earth, and his heart was filled with pain. Verse 7, so the Lord said, I will wipe mankind whom I have created from the face of the earth, men and animals, creatures that move along the ground, birds of the air, for I am grieved that I have made them. Verse 8, but Noah found grace or favor in the eyes of the Lord. Amen? See, so everybody around you could be living like the devil, but you could please the Lord. Amen? You could live right in the midst of it all, just like Noah did. And now, this is the account of Noah. Noah was a righteous man. In the midst of all that, he was a righteous man. Blameless among the people of his time. How about that? And he walked with God. Again, you can walk with God. Even if all society is going the other direction, you can walk with God. We'll talk this morning about Noah in a working faith, a working faith. We're we're studying the men and women of Hebrews 11, these heroes of the faith. And their lives should inspire us and instruct us. And their lives should really encourage us in our walk with the Lord. This morning, after just a general introduction, we will focus on the atmosphere around Noah and the faith within Noah. Those two things will be our main thrust. The atmosphere around Noah and the faith within Noah. Now the story of the Genesis flood reveals God's judgment of sin, but also God's preservation of the righteous. God will and does judge sin, but he does keep the righteous, doesn't he? He keeps us from falling. He holds us and protects us. Amen. God is able to keep you if you want to be kept. In fact, the Bible says He knows those that are His and that He is able to keep us from falling. In fact, Jesus said He holds the believer in the palm of His hand, safe and secure, regardless of what goes on around us. So listen, regardless of the storm you might be facing or the storm you might face someday, if you come into the ark, that's salvation, that's preservation, that's the protection you find in Jesus. He'll keep you safe. He'll bring you through, and He'll carry you on. Can you say amen? amen. But let's begin, if we could, and I know some preachings, Bible preaching is unpopular by general, so not just, you know, Bible preaching is not just preaching something in the Bible, it's preaching that whole council of the Bible. So let's just begin with a general introduction to the topic. The topic, God is so grieved that He sends a flood and takes out the earth, but Noah who walk with God, God protected and preserved and brought through. Amen? So let's know. It's important in these last days that we have a properly balanced theology and understanding of God. We need to understand this, that God is merciful, yet God is holy. God does give grace to the humble, thank God, yet He resists and judges the proud. Who are the proud? Those that resist His will and His way. Those that resist His message. You see, God is willing, I want you to hear, God is willing to cleanse, to forgive, to receive all who are really repentant and who will come to Him. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how many times you tried or failed. If a humble heart and a believing heart will come to Christ, He'll receive that person, He'll forgive that person, and He'll give that person eternal life and a new start. Can you say amen? But yet, 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 He will also this great God of love, compassion, and mercy, he will also give justice and judgment to the rebellious, to the sinful, to those who reject his Son and his loving offer of salvation. You see, the Bible teaches the same Jesus that saves, the same Jesus that went to the cross for the whole world, the same Jesus that prayed for the little ones, the same Jesus that Heal the hurting and disease. The same Jesus that broke the bread and fed the hungry. The same Jesus who saves will one day be the Jesus who judges. Because I know that's foreign to most people's theology. I'm going to give you a scripture on this, though there's many. Acts 17, 30 and 31. Acts 17, 30 and 31. It's a shameful thing to grow up in church and know so little of the whole counsel of God. But let's look at this. Paul is in that great city of Athens, Athens, Greece, Athens. That city of, of terrible idolatry and, and deep philosophy. And he's preaching to the crowd and he says, listen, in the past, God overlooks us ignorance. God was merciful with the idols and so forth. But since the coming of Jesus, but now he commands all people everywhere to what? Repent. That means turn around, stop doing it, and come to Christ and come to God. For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. Who is that man? Well, he's given proof of this to all men by raising him from the dead. He has appointed a day that the same Jesus that died and rose again, that shed his blood, that whosoever can come and be forgiven and get a new start and eternal life, that same Jesus will also judge the living and the dead. And we need to get that in our theology, because we've let it slip, and it's the fault of the pulpit that's a let it slip. Say amen to that. Let's make sure this is in our theology. Friend, the day is going to come when we will all stand before an almighty, all-knowing God and give an account for our lives. On that day, we will not be judged by the warped values and views of a secular society. We will not be judged by the twisted and um, man-made religious systems that deny the Word of God and deny the true and living God. And friend, we will certainly not be judged by our own moral code. God will not allow us to judge our own test score. But by God's unchanging law, and God's eternal word, and God's holy standard of righteousness, to that will every man or woman be judged. And the only offering that he accepts, the only offering that will make any person right before the holy God, forgiven and cleansed from their transgressions is the sacrifice of His one and only Son, the Lord Jesus. Let's put it this way. Jesus is that ark. And the only escape, the only way to escape the judgment that is to come is by coming to Jesus. By putting one's faith, giving one's life and living one's life for the Lord Jesus Christ in Him. And only in Him will find salvation. Now, we know it in our story for some 120 years. Noah built and Noah preached. The Bible says he was a preacher of righteousness. It took 120 years to build that thing. But you know, men ignored and men refused to respond. They laughed at the message. They rejected it as extreme, as fanatical, as exaggerated. But the day came when the rain began. And the door of the ark was shut. The day of grace was over. The preaching had stopped. The altar call had ended. And because you and I who love the Lord and know the Lord Jesus, and because we know such a day is coming, we who are sincere believers must be committed and devoted to preach this gospel, to spend and be spent that all might hear We are commissioned to tell others, to invite others, to support this work of God. We are being committed by Christ himself to be people of evangelism, people of missions, people that pray for the harvest of souls to come in, people that have a personal involvement to fulfill our duty that men might hear that they might enter into the ark of salvation and not be caught on that day of judgment unkept. We must let people know that all men are sinners and all need a Savior and His name is Jesus. That Jesus died on the cross for you that you could be forgiven, that you could be made right before this holy God. He died in your place that you might live. He died for you and took God's judgment for you so that you could be cleansed and you could be forgiven and you could be brand new in the sight of God. Oh, Lord. Hallelujah. And today is the day for all to come. Today is the day. And now is the hour to come to Christ and come into the ark to receive this mercy, to receive this grace. Don't put it off. Don't ignore it. Don't shun it. Receive the grace of God. Receive the grace and enter in to the ark of Jesus Christ. Put your faith in him. Give your life to him. And it's our responsibility as believers. That we would courageously and clearly spread the gospel. It's a task that we've been given. Let's begin. Number one, let us look this morning at the atmosphere around Noah. The atmosphere around, this is important for a few reasons. Number one, to alert us not to be lulled and deceived as they were. Friend, you got to know there's a spiritual slumber in the land. There's a spiritual slumber among those who consider themselves believers. Many are blind to their condition. Many are blind to their need. They're irresponsive to the call of grace. So we study this so we will be alerted. I want to stay awake, amen? I want to be ready for if he's to come. I want to be ready every day that if he calls me home, I can see him unashamed. But also to encourage us. Ye that love the Lord... To encourage us to stay spiritually sharp and strong, separated from this rebellious culture, faithful in doing the work God's called each one of us to do, and everyone has a task to do. We need to be a devoted on fire people until we see Jesus. But most importantly, we study this point because Jesus Himself, some don't know this, Jesus Himself used the days of Noah as a picture of how it will be when he returns. And we're going to look at this together. Matthew 24, 36 through 29. Matthew 24, this is Jesus preaching. Matthew 24, 36 through 39. No one knows about the day or the hour. Not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Verse 37, Jesus said... As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Well, what were those days like? Verse 38. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, up to the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and it took them all away. This is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Wow, 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 wow. It's interesting when we read that, that Jesus did not mention the terrible sin of the generation. The Genesis account does. In Genesis we read how the violence and the vice and all that was horrible. But Jesus doesn't mention that. But what Jesus does highlight was the casual indifference and unbelief of all those around. Now, they're, they're engaged in their usual pursuits, which in themselves were innocent. But to be so immersed in the lesser natural things and to forget or despise the message and the messenger of God was foolish and it proved to be fatal. What were some of the characteristics of that time? What were Noah's neighbors like? Well, we see in verse 38, they're they're, they're pretty careless, weren't they? They were pretty careless. Judgment was coming, and yet they were going about their lives like they had forever. Friend, don't be careless about your soul. Don't be careless about your eternal destiny. You make sure things are right between you and the Lord, and then you live it out. But don't, if you're going to be careless about something, be careless about your golf game. you be careless about, you know, uh, whatever, your outdoor motor, whatever that is. But don't be careless about the condition of your soul. You only get one shot at that, and that's forever. Now, let's think about it. There's nothing wrong, of course, with marriage, business, eating and drinking. Look at us. We did a lot of eating and drinking these last few days, didn't we? Amen. Amen. But the good was crowding out the best. And the temporal things were eclipsing the eternal. So the bottom line, eternity was nowhere to be found in their thinking or in their living. Now, let's think about it. Let's be real. Noah and his sons were also busy. We're all busy. I mean, you got jobs. You got families. You, they had families, responsibilities, jobs. But it didn't keep them from putting first things first and giving God his proper place and his proper priority. More people will go to hell because they're just indifferent, and callous, and casual towards the gospel than because they're strung out on a drug or a dope. You write that down. That was Noah's day that Jesus is pointing out. He didn't point out all the wickedness. He pointed out the casual indifference that even though they knew it here, did nothing in the way they lived, they didn't respond to it. No one and his family were busy, but listen, the principle of priority, the principle of divine order makes all the difference in the world, in this world and in the world to come. Now here's a familiar verse, most of you should know, we're going to give it Matthew 6 and 33. Because they were careless, not because they didn't hear or of an opportunity to receive, they were just indifferent to the message. They just went about their day and didn't think of eternity, didn't think of forever. Friend, you better think of forever, This forever is for forever. The Bible says, but seek first. These are the words of Jesus. But seek first. The kingdom of God and His righteousness. You seek first eternity in God's kingdom. and living righteously before the Lord. And then all these other things will fall into place. All these other things will work their way out. So here's the key. Salvation. Seek first. Make sure you're saved. And then structure your life as one who is saved. Make sure you get saved. But then structure your life. Seek ye first the kingdom. Put God first. Priority, divine priority, divine order, the principle of priority. Getting saved and then structuring one's life like a saved person. But number one, the Noah's neighbors were very careless about their souls. They didn't seem, they thought they had forever and realized that too late. Secondly, they, they, they were ignorant. Verse 39 says, they, they knew nothing until. You see, they were ignorant because they really weren't listening. They had ears, but they refused to hear. But the Bible says Noah preached to them the whole time he's building. The witness of what's going on, they, they were told, but they just ignored it. I want us to re- remember this. We all know that in this life, every one of us goes through heartaches, every one of us goes through struggles and battles. We live in a fallen world among fallen humanity. We know that. But let's get this down. A lot of negative things could be avoided if we put God first and follow his plan. We can't avoid every heartache. Men have free wills. This world's a fallen world and there's diseases, etc. But, I'll tell you what, we've all been around long enough to know that a whole lot of negative things could be avoided if we just put God first and follow his plan. Let us be people that hear and heed the word of the Lord. But Noah's his neighbors they didn't understand until it was too late don't wait for it to be too late number one they were careless number two they were ignorant but number three they were unbelieving and unresponsive you go into second peter both the second chapter and the third chapter he he touches a little bit on Noah in his day and we see that they're unbelieving Because again we're taught in second peter that noah was a preacher of righteousness what are you doing noah God is going to send a flood, and he's calling me to build an ark to save people. Oh, Noah, get at life. Get real. They are unbelieving. Noah had preached to many, but the message wasn't believed. It wasn't received. Rain, flood, come on, Noah. Our God wouldn't do that. He's too good. Besides, we're not really that bad. We're going to believe how we want to believe, Noah, whether you like it or not. They were unbelieving. And number four, they were proud and self-confident. They didn't think they needed the ark. Well, oh, that's good for you and your family, Noah. You just do it that. We'll just. They didn't think the flood would ever come. It'll come. One way or the other, it'll come. One way or the other. Every man, woman, or child will stand before the living God. It'll come some sooner than later, but it'll come. You know, 2 Peter 3 is where we find that familiar verse, how God is patient, but he's not willing that any should perish. But when we read the context, Peter is talking about how God fulfills his promises no matter how long it takes. But he emphasizes how men scoffed at the thought, how men kind of mocked the thought of sin and judgment and a second coming and a need of a savior. And what happens is this, the longer nothing happens, here's how the flesh deceives you. The longer nothing happens, the bolder their irreverence gets. Because they misunderstand the reason for the divine delay. The divine delay. Instead of taking the opportunity and all the warnings they hear to get things right, they just allow it to increase their callousness and their casualness. As if God's, you know, not real and everything I heard growing up. Doesn't make any sense. But Peter explains that God waits because he's being patient and he's being loving. But he's not willing that any should perish. It's not that God is indifferent. It's that God is giving people, God is giving you, God is giving you time. Time to come. Time to receive. Time to make things right. Time to come to Jesus. Time to turn away from that rebellion and make Jesus your Lord. Oh, God's not indifferent. He's giving people time to come, and He's giving you and I time to tell them and get this gospel out that many that are slumbering will be awakened, and many that are being stung by the sting of sin and rebellion will hear there's hope and there's restoration in Jesus Christ. And even if you've messed up big time, if you get serious with God, He'll receive you, and He'll forgive you, and He'll make you brand new. Someone needs to go, and someone needs to tell, and someone needs... To get this gospel out courageously, yet compassionately, but clearly, Lord, help us. Even those that worked on the ark. Interesting and sobering thought, isn't it? Even those that worked on the ark, you can work on it and not enter into it. You can have a degree in it, but not receive it. They knew all about the ark. But never got into the ark. Some of them helped build the ark. Others knew all about it, heard all about it, could give you a tour of it, never enter into it. They could explain it to others, but refused to believe it and receive it themselves. They didn't see the need for it, never got around to entering into it. You see, friend, there's a difference between mentally knowing and sincerely receiving and believing. And giving your life to Christ. You got to enter in. Friend, you got to enter in. It's not enough just to know about these things. It's not enough just to grow up around these things. You have to personally receive Christ. You have to personally turn from that old way of living. And give your life to Christ and live for Him. As one preacher said, just being able to quote John 3.16 won't get you into heaven. You got to do more than quote it. You got to live it. Amen? Number one, the atmosphere around Noah. It's sobering, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Characterized by what? Carelessness. Spiritual carelessness and unresponsiveness. Ignorance, unbelief, and pride. Number two, let's look at the faith within Noah. We've studied it's sobering and it should sober us. It should awaken us. And if we pray for anything, we ought to pray for souls continually. We pray for a lot of things. We should pray for souls continually. Pe- people can die of diseases, and that's bad, and that's terrible. But boy, if you die without being right with Christ, amen? Number one, the atmosphere around Noah. But secondly, the faith within Noah. If you would, Hebrews 11 and verse 7. Hebrews 11 and verse 7. We're in a study from the book of Hebrews. We're looking at these heroes of the faith. And now we're going to look at Noah. The Bible says verse 7 chapter 11 Hebrews by faith when warned about things not yet seen in holy fear built an ark to save his family gentlemen what are you building by his faith he condemned the world and became an heir of righteousness that comes by faith only way to get right with God is by faith In Christ Jesus. Let's talk. Let's talk. Hallelujah. Friend, number one, true faith always has actions to support its claims. True faith is not just merely reciting a creed or repeating a prayer. There's a life that lived as evidence. Faith without works is dead. So number one, notice that Noah's faith took God at his word. Noah's faith took God at his word. He responded and obeyed to the warnings of God. He believed the message of God, spoke. He believed what God said to him. It might have been hard to grasp, but Noah believed and Noah responded to God's word. You see, that's true evidence of Bible faith. Not just hearing, not just knowing, but responding and doing. The life one is living is the proof of what he or she really believes. i to say that again. don't go to tell someone about your faith. Your faith should be seen. The life one is living is the proof of what he or she really believes. So number one, Noah's faith took God at his word. And really the first word that comes to Noah is a word of warning and a word of instruction. Later on, he gets a word of promise and a word of covenant. But number one, it's a word of warning and a word of instruction. And the Bible says, in holy fear, he believed and obeyed. Well, you notice a few things about Noah's response. Number one, the word gives the believer an awareness concerning what is and what shall be. When we read our Bibles, it tells us what is and what shall be. So we're not caught in the dark. The Bible talks about Psalm 119. Thy word is a lamp unto thy feet and a light unto thy pathway. So that written word is given to us so we won't be in darkness. Amen. We'll know the will of God. We'll know the future as God has revealed it. So we can walk soberly. So we can walk properly. So we won't be caught unaware. But also there's the incarnate word. That's Jesus. And Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And if you'll walk with me, guess what? You don't have to stumble in the darkness. So again, there's a light. The word of God. The written word. The living word gives you and I light and understanding so we can know these things, so we won't be caught unaware. We'll be ready when he comes, and we'll live a life that's not ashamed to meet him. Noah's faith, he heard, he obeyed, and he produced. Your obedience to the word of God will produce some beautiful things in your life if you live it out. Noah's faith to the word saved not only Noah, But his family, that's precious. He built, he acted. Remember, hearing and knowing is not enough. There must be a doing and an acting and an applying of your faith, if it's real. Some have heard, some have heard so much. But have you acted? Have you responded? Have you obeyed? You see. There was this old preacher... J. Vernon McGee, Dr. McGee, J. Vernon McGee, amen. Have you ever heard his voice, it's hard to get out of your head, that gravelly old voice. And, um, we've been with the Lord a lot of years now, but he's still on radio every now and again. You catch him, wonderful Bible teacher. And, and, and Dr. McGee was expressing faith in action, faith in action. And he, said, he made this line, when a farmer prays for a good crop, God expects him to say amen with a hoe. That means we don't just pray, we pray and then we act, amen? We don't just pray a prayer and go about our business. We pray the prayers and then we do whatever we can to get the job done, amen? But faith has an action to it. (laughs) Brother McGee, Noah's faith, he built and he acted. You see, a man's faith should have an effect on his family. A man's faith should have an effect on his family. Noah's faith was a strong faith. But listen, it was a contagious faith. Hallelujah. Isn't that beautiful? It was a contagious faith. It had a life-changing influence on his sons. Lot's faith didn't. He's not in there, is he? He didn't have much influence in his home. His family laughed at him because he didn't walk it. You see. But Noah's faith wasn't just strong. It was contagious. It influences sons. They entered the ark, didn't they? They they responded. They didn't laugh. Say, Dad, you are nuts. What are you doing? The whole neighborhood laughs at us the way we live. Why do you make us live like this? We feel odd. We don't feel like we're not. We used to be different. No, you get different when you serve Jesus and you come out of that mess. What a person does with the word of the Lord will determine their present life and influence as well as their eternal destiny. What a person does with the word of the Lord will determine their present life and influence as well as their eternal destiny. Noah took God at his word. It was a word of warning, and the Bible says in holy fear he responded and he built and he obeyed. It didn't just save Noah, it saved Noah and his I'll say it again, gentlemen, what are you building? Because a man's faith should have an effect on his family. It should not only be strong, it should be contagious. William Barclay, he is just a great Greek scholar and commentator. In writing about Noah's response, he writes these words. I, I, I found them very rich. The choice comes to every man either to listen to or to disregard the message of God. He may live as if that message is of no importance or as if it is the most important thing in the world. We put it another way. Noah was the man who heeded the warnings of God. And because he heeded, he was saved from disaster. God's warnings come to us in many ways. It may come from conscience. The Holy Spirit is dealing with your conscience. Don't put it off. You respond and act and get things right. The Holy Spirit, if he's dealing with your conscience, he's saying you're not ready. You're not responding. Today's your day. Now is your time. It may come from conscience. It may come from some direct word of God to our souls. It may come from advice or rebuke from some godly man. It may leap out at us from God's book. It might challenge us through some sermon. Wherever it comes from, the warning of God, wherever it comes from, we neglect it at our own peril. Don't neglect when God speaks to your heart. Don't neglect when he touches your conscience. When you read something in the Bible and the Spirit really speaks, don't reject it. Noah's faith, number one, took God at his word. What a beautiful thought. In holy fear, he built an ark, and he saved his family. Thank God he built. Number two, Noah's faith was not deterred by the mockery of others. If you're going to serve Jesus, you better recognize there is always a crowd that is critical and contrary to walking with God. We live in a fallen world that doesn't want God, doesn't want to be ruled by God, or doesn't want to seek God. So we're not in the majority, no matter where we live. We have to make up our minds. We're going to follow him. You know, when the sun was shining, Noah's conduct must have looked like that of a fool. I mean, who in their right mind is going to build this great hulk of a ship on dry land so far from the sea in a generation that had never experienced rain? Can you imagine that? A flood from where? They would never had rain. Inland. They're no... You know, sometimes if you really live a Christian life, Especially if you live in areas where it's really a lot of non Christians. You can get mocked, you can get scoffed. People in your own family might think you're getting a little radical, getting a little irrational. If you're really going to serve the Lord, there's always going to be some that criticize that and some that make fun of that. Noah just kept on building. All right, I'm going to keep on walking with Jesus. Say what you want to say. Do what you want to do. I'm not going to get ugly with you. I'm just going to keep walking with Jesus. Amen. I don't got time to debate with you. I'm pursuing the Lord. I'm doing my best to obey God. I'm building an ark. I want to save my family. I want to make a difference in the earth. The man or woman who takes God at his word may have to live and act in a way that seems out of touch, extreme, even offensive to this present world. For the Christian, for the real Christian, our morality and our lifestyle stands apart and might even offend this present generation. And like Noah, we will face criticism and misunderstanding as we build our lives according to the divine pattern, not the socially acceptable pattern. As we respond to the word of God's warning and instruction. Remember, there was a warning, the flood's coming. There's an instruction, you better build an ark and here's how you're going to build it. It's not enough to say, yeah, I know there's a warning. I've got to also respond to the instruction to build an ark and build it according to the pattern of God. Noah's faith. Listen, friend, regardless, you live today, a thousand years ago, or 200 years in the future. Living for Jesus is not always applauded, accepted, or encouraged in this fallen world. People are young, so many want to live crazy and do their own thing, they want to sleep around. They want to get drunk. They want. not want to get married. They want to live like sin. No, no, no. Come on, say amen to that. You try to live right, you get called all kinds of names. You try to believe the Bible... You try to explain this is what the Bible says. You get mocked at. They're mocking God. You mock the Word of God, you're mocking God. That's the generation we live. Let's not act like I'm talking to something out of the sky here. Amen? That's why when you've got to make up your mind, who are you going to serve? And what are you going to do in order to serve Him? This fallen world wants to do their own thing. As one writer put it like this, many want to play God until they need God. Many want to play God until they need God. Noah's faith in God responded to the warning with both a reverence and a persistence, a perseverance. There was a reverence. The Bible says in holy fear he built an ark. It's beautiful that men and women have such tender hearts that they be sensitive to the Spirit. We see people living in sin and there's no shame. There's no guilt. They don't want to feel bad about it. We live in a generation that's grown so callous that they can live just clearly, black and white. I'm not talking gray areas. Black and white sin. And it doesn't even seem to grieve them at all. There's no conviction. You see. But the Bible says, when he heard the word of the Lord in holy fear, his heart was tender. He believed what God said. And it moved him to act. It moved him to believe in persistence, in perseverance. Because again, we said earlier, for 120 years, he built that ark. Can you imagine that? It's not enough just to get all excited, enthusiastic about Jesus, one good surface, run the aisle, fall down, and then go back out and backslide a month later. We got to do this thing to the very end, amen? We got to stick with Jesus till we finish that line, man, till we see him face to face. But notice, 120 years, Noah pressed on. He labored on. He endured people's jokes, people's mocking. People misunderstood him. They accused him of this, that, and the other thing. But he stood firm upon God's word. He kept believing and obeying. He kept pounding those nails until God said, it's time, son, it's time. Men and women of faith, Let us do the same, for faith continues even in the face of resistance and rejection and disappointment and accusation. May we make up our minds, church, that our faith will continue regardless of the culture. Regardless of the circumstances, regardless of the criticism, our faith will continue. Let's keep pounding those nails of faith. Keep pounding those nails of obedience. Keep pounding those nails of reverence unto the Lord. For the day is coming when the world will see that Jesus is Lord. And when that day comes, let us be found right in His sight. Can you say amen? Keep pounding those nails. What do you mean? Keep bringing those kids to Sunday school and children. Pounding the nails. Showing up the prayer meeting. What are you doing? Pounding those nails. I'm believing God. I'm praying. I'm believing. God's going to change them. Pound those nails. I'm going to be faithful to God's house. I'm going to be a good witness in my neighborhood. I'm going to be a good ambassador of Jesus Christ. I'm pounding the nails. The nails of faith and obedience. The nails of reverence to God. Somebody say amen. 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 Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Noah took God at his word. Noah's faith was not deterred by the mockings and the ridicule of others. Through faith, Noah was considered righteous. We see that last part. By his faith, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes from faith. You know, he's the first man in the Bible to be called righteous. His righteousness came from the fact he believed the word of God. Amen? He received the word of God. That's how we become righteous. What do you mean righteous? Have a right standing with God. The God we're going to face someday, we could face him having a right standing with him or not having a right standing. And the Bible teaches... Over and over, very, very clear. The only way to become right or just before this God is by putting my faith in Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross. Noah was righteous. When other men broke God's commandments, Noah kept them. When other men were deaf to God's warnings, Noah listened to them. When other men laughed at God, Noah referenced him, lived for him, walked with him, worked for him. Let's do the same. Let's walk with God. And friends, let's build something that matters. Let's build something that will last for eternity. Noah's faith, a working, enduring, obedient faith. We studied this morning Noah's faith, the atmosphere around him. Found out, Jesus said, just like in the days of Noah, that's how it's going to be when I return. People are going to be careless concerning the condition of their soul. They're going to be unresponsive to the good news, not thinking they need it. But then we studied the faith in Noah. We saw Noah obeyed God. Noah responded to God's word with a reference, not a flippancy. But he obeyed God and he served God. May the faithful, that's us, May the faithful keep building, walking, and trusting. Trust that word. It shall come to pass. And the promises of God, Jesus, is returning. We will stand before him one day, and the promise will prevail. May those who have heard yet have not truly responded. I encourage you to respond today. I plead with you, respond today. Make a sincere commitment to serve the Lord. Put your trust in Him. And open the altar. It's to be very simple. Number one, if anyone needs to respond to the word and warning of God, do it. So I might say, I'm a believer, but God might be speaking to hearts about things in our lives, about things that are taking us down the wrong path, about things that are going to bring some hurt into our lives if we don't change direction. If God's warning you, if the Holy Spirit's been speaking to you, don't leave here today until you make things right. God's given you a warning. In his loving compassion, God's saying, I see the future. And if you keep that thing up, and you don't do something about that, you'll, you'll be sorry you, you didn't listen to me. God in his love is trying to keep us from hurt and shame and harm. Respond to the warning of God. But secondly, let's ask God to use us. If we really believe the Bible, and we believe there's coming a day when men will stand before him, that ought to move us to do our part to get this gospel out. It might mean you start praying more for the missionaries and for evangelism. It might mean you start giving more to support the work of God and getting the gospel out. It might mean that you're going to ask God to start using you in a greater way to witness to others, to invite others. Start with your family. Witness, invite. We all have to do our part. If we believe it, we have to do our part that people will come to Christ and people will receive his salvation. And lastly, if anyone just has a need, as we always pray at the altar, you need a touch from God, he'll touch you. If you need a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit, he'll fill you. And so as we pray, if you just want to come and seek the Lord, come on down. If you want prayer or need prayer, come on down. Let's believe God. Well, let's make sure if anyone's here today and things aren't right between you and the Lord and the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, respond and make things right. Even if you're a fairly solid Christian, but the Holy Spirit's speaking to you about something, might be in your business, might be in your home life, but the Holy Spirit is giving you a loving warning to lay something down, to change direction in a certain area, to make something right that you know is not right, don't leave without doing business with God. He doesn't always give us these warnings like this. Let's take advantage of them and not ignore them. But if you're here today and you just need a touch, we serve a great God. We serve a loving God. We serve a powerful God, and He'll touch you. Stand with me, please. Stand with me, please, as we pray. Hallelujah. Oh, God is a good God.